start somewhere else. No, he, he, he picked Texas because that's where he wants to be. That's where he wants to play football. He likes uh, Coach Sarkeesian and his his offense and what they're doing. So that was he he knew last year that he was going to go. He's in a red shirt, get some playing time, and. You know, he, obviously, I think the plan was yours would maybe go in the NFL, but he's there. It's another year for for Arch to to mature, learn the offense, get bigger, stronger in the weight room, uh, and and always be prepared to play. And you never know what's going to happen. And so he's got to be ready. If not, then he you know gets some playing time here and there. And he's got three more years of eligibility at a great school, at a great you know football program on the rise. So. I think that was, um, you know, the fact that you can transfer so easily now doesn't mean you should do it just because you're not playing right away. I, you know, a lot of quarterbacks when I was in college, that was always a game plan. It's like you red shirt, you sit a year, you have three years of eligibility. That's what I did uh, at Ole Miss, and I think it helped me. And so I think Arch, I, mean, he, I know he wants to play. He's itching to get in there, but being patient, continue to learn can, can be very helpful as well. Who was that? Manning face himself on the sideline. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Some wise words there. It really was. I, I actually really like that quote from, from Eli. That's yeah. perfect. Like, well, Quinn Ewers is coming back, and he was a former five-star. Number one, like, sitting out one year is crazy. Sitting out two, and yeah, it sounds like Arch has the uh, has the right perspective there. And, and maybe something could happen there, because it – We've talked about it before. Ewers is not a perfect quarterback, and if Arch continues to make strides, maybe there's a opportunity for him at some point this year. Well, you never know. All it takes is, um, you know, landing hard on the turf and banging your head and maybe getting a concussion. Isn't that what Dylan Gabriel did at BYU? And next thing you know, here you come jogging onto the field. You know, frankly, the longer you wait, the better. Um, the more experience you have, I know it's not really commonplace anymore for guys to to wait a couple years and be content with developing and watching the guy in front of you. Everyone's it's got to be now, now, now. But I think it the longer Arch Manning waits before he goes out there on the field, the better he's going to be whenever he eventually takes you know his first start. So I think he's playing it just right. Un, I mean. I don't enjoy that. I, you know, the fact that that's happening is not really a good thing for Oklahoma whenever it concerns Texas. But I think he's being patient is the right move. Greg from Lawton says, "Dang it, guys! I don't want to like slash respect Arch." Yeah, that's all. That's on me, Greg. I anytime I find a good audio clip like that again where Arch's head's in the right place, I will refrain from playing it on this radio program i promise right. mark for me it says texas sucks just wanted to throw that in um their over under was released on FanDuel, so we talked on friday and every single sec over under for 2024 was released except for texas would you like to guess what their official number is according to FanDuel? did it finally come out it's out yeah what is it um Nine and a half. No. Uh-uh. Uh, it's higher than that. It's Ooh. ten and a half. <laughs> Texas and Georgia, both ten and a half for SEC over-unders. Dang. Yep. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a little on the high side. Hmm. I see uh, Oklahoma's 
Uh, Took a hike up, yeah, from Friday when we talked about it. Reverted to the mean. I mean, that was a big mistake there for FanDuel to throw Oklahoma up with a a six-and-a-half win total. I bet they took so much action on that, it's ridiculous. And then had to revise it up. But I still, at seven-and-a-half, I bet you're getting a ton of overaction on it right now. Yeah, and and I bet there's some college football sharps out there that – are probably lurking around until these are released, and they, they jump on these really early when they see that Vegas is really off on a win total. But, yeah, dude, like you know that they kind of got – I don't like crushed because the season hasn't happened yet, but a ton of money came in on the OU over if they moved it over a full game that quickly. Like you might yeah. see them readjust in a week's time from six and a half to seven, but I think it was less than 24 hours, and it was already up a full game to seven and a half. I bet there's a yeah. ton of money on OU over six and a half at this point. And in fact, and I haven't looked at every single number to see if it uh, if it got higher, if it dropped. I would venture a guess that Vegas probably fielded more money on that win total than maybe any other that they released, or at least FanDuel did anyway. Yeah, man, ten and a half for a Texas boy. Whoo! They're not going. Ele- they're not going eleven and one next year. Like they, they, they can be. They can. They can be a good team next year. But you're at Michigan early, and I know that Michigan probably won't be the same team as last year. They're still going to be pretty dang good, though. Like right. I don't. I just don't foresee a massive drop off with Michigan. That game's in Ann Arbor. Um, they got to go to A and M. They got to go to Arkansas. They got to play Georgia. They got to play Oklahoma. I. Asking for eleven and one, even with that schedule, is a tough ask. Yeah, man, that's that's crazy. What they were they were eleven and one last year, and skated, but they had a lot of close games a year ago. With even with did, that schedule, and their schedule was, I mean, obviously they had the Alabama win, which was huge at Alabama, but. Outside of that, I I don't know. I mean, the Houston game got really interesting late. Remember that missed spot on a third down where I think Houston was about to go tie it and send it into overtime? Kansas State just botched it all over the place in the second half to lose that game in Austin. Ridiculous. TCU um, comes all the way back. It's a third and long. TCU's about to get the ball back late to go down and win the game. And Texas completes like a third and twenty-two or third and eighteen or something like that down the field. They they had they had close calls last year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is though. I mean, they play Georgia and they play Oklahoma, but the rest of their SEC games isn't it literally like the bottom fourth or the bottom third of? Of what the SEC it, final standings were? It feels like it will be, yeah. Um, we'll see about Kentucky, but Arkansas, Florida, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, yeah. I, and maybe even Texas A&M in that group, sure. Yeah. I don't know. Outside of, I mean, Florida had a losing record. Uh, Vanderbilt obviously had a losing record. Kentucky was 7-6. and six. A and M was seven and six. Mississippi State was five and seven. Arkansas was four and eight. So, like the winning, 
record teams that they play are were seven and six. So it's A and M and in Kentucky, outside of Oklahoma and Georgia, obviously. But I mean, that's about as good of a schedule as you could ask for. You know, we always make fun of unrealistic expectations for Texas entering a year. Yeah. But this feels like the highest expectations that they'll have had in a long time. They had high expectations last year to win the Big 12. They were picked to do so. But I don't – I mean, was there oh, – maybe their over-under was 10.5, but not with an SEC schedule. Like, I, I think this will be – like they may start number three in the country behind Georgia and Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, they, they they did a really good job in the transfer portal. They've got really good continuity in their program now. Same system. You know, I, I know they've lost a lot of good players, but, you know, skill position guys, I feel like, feel like, like that's one of the best things about Sark is he is really good at, highlighting his best players and finding ways to to scheme them open and to use their skill sets. Uh, I think he's as good as anyone in, in college football with that. So, I mean, I think offensively, if they can – like, they still need to get better on the O-line. Yes. But – They got a lot coming back there, but yes. You know, I, I mean, they're going to be pretty salty. Defensively, I – They've made strides every year since he's been there. I mean, they were really bad that first year, but he made it. He had a signing day press conference, and he made the comments that I think you've kind of made about OU's bad year. Is he said, you know, we had that five and seven year, but I think in a lot of ways that year needed to happen. Yeah, and they've improved every year since then. Yeah, it's only been two years, but they've done it. There's a lot of things. I I really like Sark's offense. I've I've been a fan of it for quite some time. Um, his use of play action, his everything he does, like his shifts and motions are purposeful. They he builds on the running game with play action. He builds off the shifts and motions to hide stuff and bring it back later. And I I I think he's designed a really good offense. So we were about ready to quit the show an hour early on Friday um, yeah. and go hammer the over on six and a half. Uh-huh. I mean, do we still feel as strong about the seven and a half as we did the, the six and a half? A little bit more skeptical about like if, if the under doesn't hit or if the over doesn't hit on seven and a half, I'll be extremely disappointed in the season. Like seven and five, I'm sorry, I don't care what league you're in, that's not good enough around here. Um, I would still bet the over on seven and a half for this team. Right. What about you? Um, yeah, I, I think I would. I think I would. The problem is, and I guess in the spring I'll get to see it some, but I, we, if, if we have the same style of offense that we had a year ago, it's just, it's not. It's not going to be good. I hey, I'm, I'm with that. I mean, I think there's, there's some things in that offense that are, that are good, and uh, you can make some hay with it, and you do some good things. But uh, there's, we have a huge challenge in front of us, finding some, 
some concepts, some areas that we can hang our hat on instead of just being a throw it and run it where they're not football team. I don't think that's good enough. And frankly, I I don't think it prepares guys for the NFL. I don't think you get the best out of your players. I don't think you get the best out of your quarterback. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it's for teams that don't have as much talent as Oklahoma has, in my opinion. Yeah, I think we I agree. Think we need to to have some a little bit better bread and butter stuff. Sean asked a good question. We're talking about Texas SEC schedule. It says, do we get Texas conference schedule in twenty twenty five? I don't know that, but it would make sense to where that. I, if the SEC sticks with the eight-game conference format, at least for, what, this year and the year after, that would make sense because they tailored the SEC schedule this year to where every team in the league either plays OU or Texas. Yeah. So it I, would make sense to where they just flip-flop teams in the SEC that, that next year. It's either going to be the same or very, very similar. I wonder mm. if it's... You flip the opponents, and you flip where the game's being played. Does that make sense? Yeah. So instead of um, Georgia having to go to Texas and OU in back-to-back years, Georgia would go to Texas and OU would go to Georgia the following year. Right. And then the year after that, they would host Texas and then go to Oklahoma on the fourth year. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it, but. Needless to say, um, Texas got handed a really nice schedule uh, the coming year. We got handed a really difficult schedule. Um, but, hey, who cares? You got a difficult schedule. Go beat some tough teams. That should be what we ask for. Jay in Tulsa I mean, says, I'd bet the under on seven and a half. A rookie quarterback and a brutal schedule never go well together. Is the schedule brutal? Based on last year's results, it's difficult. But, again, like, I just don't think that everything that happened last year with every team on the schedule is going to be what it looks like this coming year. So I'm very waiting to see on how brutal the schedule really ends up being. Gosh, bet the – you would bet I mean, Alabama seven and a half? Just Alabama taking a step back? And that's not a given – but I definitely think there's a chance that can just Alabama taking a reasonable step back, I think really changes the outlook of the schedule. Well, here's the thing. We should be, and I know I'm saying should, but you should be 5-0 and to start the season. You should beat Temple. You should beat Houston. You should beat Tulane. You should beat Tennessee at home, and you should beat Auburn on the road. Yep. I mean, that's not asking a whole hell of a lot. I mean, Tennessee was a nine-win football team last year. I understand that, but they've got they got a young quarterback that's getting his first starts too. His first big start, I believe. I haven't seen their non-conference, but that's going to be his first big start, and it's going to be on the road against Oklahoma. So. I just, you should be 5-0, and oh, and then you still play South Carolina and Maine. I don't know. 
it's just so weird to me that people feel that way. I, it's Ole Miss. Ole Miss is not that good. I know people continue to see Lane Kiffin on Twitter and it makes them think that Ole Miss is really good or something. I don't know what it is, but I mean, they're not better than us. They shouldn't be better than us. I mean, uh, here I am saying all of this, but I, I'm just saying with the talent that we have at our disposal, there's no way we should not win eight games next year. I, I mean, we should win ten games next year. Guy from 100%. Parts Unknown says preseason schedule is ranked seventh most difficult. That's getting in the brutal range. Again, that's based on the results from last year. And I think some things that happened last year will happen again this year, sure, but not not everything will. I will Missouri and Ole Miss both have excellent years like they did a year ago. I, I would bet against that. Or or be as talented or just overall as good of a football team. I I just don't know if I'm there with both those teams. Well, okay, it's a brutal schedule. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, what team on our schedule can we not beat? It's a brutal schedule. Okay, what team on the schedule, what game on the schedule can we not win? Please text it in. That's what I want to know. You're going to have to lose a bunch of games that you're the favorite in. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Stay tuned. It's the dead of winter, but that doesn't stop the rush from bringing you the sooner football talk you want. Catch Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 right here on The Ref and worldwide on the KREF app. Plenish the supply. Learn more at hhs.gov slash giveblood. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. A lot of text to get to on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. 405 says there isn't a team that we can't beat. However, I bet we were favored in the majority of games next year outside of Texas, Ole Miss, Bama, maybe LSU, depending on how they were doing at that point in the year. So this texture thinks one, two, three four games next year, maybe with their dogs. What? Texas? Ole Miss, Bama, LSU. Ole Miss, Bama, LSU. Maybe. I I don't know. Whatever. I'm just telling you right now, if we're not better than Ole Miss, we're not very good. If we're not better than Missouri, we're not very good. If we're not better than LSU, we're not very good. Guy from Parts Unknown, there is no college football team we can't beat, Georgia included. But play like you do against Kansas, OSU, Arizona, SMU, Cincinnati, and BYU, and we'll have another 6-6 six and six year. <laughs> play Boy, like you did against half of the schedule last year, and you'll go 6-6. Uh, you know, six six. I, guess, I guess that's that's my thing is I, I – Maybe I give maybe I give too much credit. I just I refuse to believe that 
we're going to continue to be that type of team. But I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> we didn't see know. some necessary strides that needed to happen in some areas in year two. Special teams is kind of what I'm staring at right now. I know it. I know it. it which is frustrating because I know they practice it. I know they spend a lot of time on it. I don't know. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Are we a tough football team? Are we a tough football program? I think situationally they they are a tough football program. I thought against Texas, yeah, man. Texas, from the start of the game, they brought the energy, they brought the hat, they brought the physicality, they were the better team, more physical team. But outside the Texas game, I didn't see that, didn't feel that from this team. So I would say... No, not week in and week out. Yes to it being situational. And it wasn't the – I don't think that that was the norm from last year's team. Yeah. Agree or disagree? I don't know. I don't know. Here's the thing. We, we have been – and this goes back – a long time. This predates Venables. But we have been horrible at playing to the level of our opponent. You know, there's some games where we're flat out beat and we can't compete. LSU game, Alabama, those are like historically great teams, okay? I'm To me, that's not that's not a – I mean, we could have played better, obviously, but that's not something to really frame the conversation around. We we had some shortcomings on the team that played Georgia, but, you know, they fought, they were tough, played a competitive game. I Since that moment, though, we have played just good enough to beat whoever we're playing. Just good enough to beat whoever we're playing. That includes all levels of football teams. That we have to like eliminate that a hundred percent. Yep. And I don't know. I don't know why it's the case. You know, I've been to the practices. I know they're physical. I know they spend time tackling. They spend a lot of time and inside. They go live a lot. It's not a country club up there. I just I don't know why we play the way we do at times. It's beyond frustrating. I think there's I think maybe there's a little bit of paralysis by analysis offensively and defensively from the sideline. I trying to be in the perfect play and the perfect call all of the time. Instead of just flat out lining up and beating people with athletes. Arizona, you know what Arizona did? They played cover one the entire football game against us. If we snapped the ball 75 times, I don't know how many it was. I bet, I bet 75 to 80% of them were cover one. Maybe more than that. That's not like getting ultra cute and 
scheming and disguising. That is lining up saying our guys can cover your guys. And for a big portion of the game, they did. I I do think that we spend too much time trying to be in the perfect call. Now, ultimately, to be the best, you got to have it all. You got to be able to to let the the Jimmys and Joes go out there and play, but at the same time have detailed, intricate game plans that get the best out of those players. I just feel like we're leaning way too heavy on one side of of trying to be in the perfect thing instead of just allowing our guys to go out and beat the man across from them. Yeah, I agree on all of those fronts. Um, this text from the 918 says, I'm hitting the over on seven and a half wins. Run One reason why? We won't have Big 12 refs. Yeah. <laughs> Who's to say how you're going to get treated in the SEC your first few years there? Well, you know, and... You could, you could uh, have a wide receiver get tackled in the end zone again. That's just SEC ball. Got to get tough. Well, yeah, as long as they call it both ways, I'm fine with that. But, you know, there's some truth to that. The other part of it is we allowed officials to become a part of the football game by playing down to our opponents way too often. It's true. Blue I mean, come on, West Virginia on the road. Are you kidding me, Kansas, Oklahoma State, well, some of these games? Yeah, okay, and you're mentioning that, and I, I think those are good examples of the, the point that you're making. For whatever reason, the BYU game this year popped in my mind first, and not just because it was a close game. And not because it was a close game that you're lucky you got a pick six on the goal line to win that game, but a game that you were, what, a 23-point favorite in? And they were just gashing you in the run game, man. Yeah. And that goes back to being a tough team. Like, you can be a tough team and give up plays from time to time, but towards the end of the year, there were just too many instances where you're just giving up gash plays in the run game. That's a five and six football team. Two of them, two five and seven football teams at the end of the year, and they were hitting you for big plays in the run game. Your last that, two regular season games. The running back for BYU had twenty-two carries for one hundred and eighty-two yards, eight point three average against us. I mean that. I mean, come on, man. I don't know. I don't know. Now you had. Stutzman was sick or something and not feeling good. and You had some injury stuff out there, but like those things are going to happen again in the future. You're going to have injury issues next year. Someone's going to go down. Somebody's going to be sick and not, not playing 100% and not be able to play every rep. That's what happens throughout a 12-game a season that spans – you know, three, four months. It's, you know, you're going to have to go through those things, and we just don't I, don't, I don't know, man. Let me read a few more before we hit a, uh, hit a break. Blue Well Sooner, being a tough guy against Texas has been like being a tough guy to your little kid's sister. Two one four. we're getting back to being tough. For the TBOW time, we were soft as Charmin. John from Bartlesville says, tough, ask Dusty and Torrance. And then yeah. somebody else just said, I don't know if this is meant for us. Antonio Gates is the best tight end of all time, hands down. I I do not I don't know what that's in reference to with our conversation the past thirty minutes, but there's at least I don't a take. Either. 
he's a good one. I don't know if it's hands down. I mean, I don't know that. Is there a position where there's someone that's just hands down the greatest of all time? I mean, I don't know. I thought it was uh, Tom Brady for a while, hands down the greatest of all time. Uh, that is, That thought has changed due to recent circumstances. Oh, really? This Mahomes guy is pretty good. Huh. He's got a wider range of skill set than Brady has. Is Jerry Rice by a wide margin the best wide receiver of all time? Statistically speaking, yes. But would you take Jerry Rice over Randy Moss? Calvin Johnson or Randy Moss? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it's so. just not so – it's never, never so clear. I mean, statistically speaking, yeah. But I, I don't know. Is that the right answer? It's just hard to say. Maybe Harrison Butker after this year is by far and away the best kicker of all time. Yeah, well, there may be something to be said about that for sure. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll hit some things that caught my eye next. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. There are trucks. Then there's the truck. GMC Sierra with available features like the V8 engine, the ultimate luxury interior, and of course, the 405-310-3189 or use the Chick-fil-A One app and let Chick-fil-A feed your party or catering options. So what caught Teddy's eye brought to you by Yalagosny Law. When you call law firm, do you want to actually talk to a lawyer? Yalagosny Law, communication is a priority. 405-800-8080, that's the number for West Yalagosny. 405-800-8080. Let's get to it. Story number one is? Uh, Otani, after elbow surgery, took uh, batting practice, outdoor batting practice for the first time today as a Dodger designated hitter hit him on the freeway uh swung at 21 pitches and hit 10 of those pitches over the fence so it sounds like he's uh he's going to be back in form by the time the season rolls around which is good news um that'll be fun to watch great news for the Dodgers they'll win 108 games in the regular season and bow out in the first round Man. Which I can uh, can't really talk, I guess, because I'm a Brace fan, and that's you can relate to that a little happened. bit. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. I was thinking Cowboys. That's more Cowboys than anything. God, I know my teams really do bow out in the first round of the playoffs. All of them. How God. about this, Deshaun Foster, the new head football coach at the University of California, Los Angeles? Be honest, did you know anything about him before today? No, I didn't either. I. <laughs> And maybe it ends up being a really good hire for UCLA, but normally it's not a common thing for a Power 5 job to hire someone. I'm like, huh, who's that? I've never heard of that guy before. He, yeah, may, the- he may be a good coach and a good recruiter. I just think UCLA's in a pretty terrible spot right now going to the Big Ten. The first thing I thought of, who was the, who was the old running back? I think he played at Tennessee and played for the Texans. Arian Foster? Yeah, that's the first person I, th- I was like. Uh, he thought Arian Foster was the UCLA coach. I was like, was like what the heck's going on here? Um, or Javon no, Foster. That's a yeah, throwback. Javon Foster. Mm-hmm. No, interesting uh, hire there. Don't know much about him. I, 
I, he has the feeling that UCLA is going to be in a bit of a rebuilding mode here, which uh, may be smart for them. Uh, final thing I have, Indiana State is ranked in the top 25 in men's hoops for the first time since Larry Bird Sweet. was there. Which is interesting. And the reason I brought that up is because I wanted to to mention this stat I heard the other day, and I had no idea. Did you know that the most watched basketball game ever, the highest rated basketball game ever at any level, was the championship? I think it was the 79 championship, Indiana State. Michigan State, Bird versus Magic. Um, I did not know that, but it doesn't surprise me all that much. 35 million people. Yeah, I mean, and I, those names were big at the time. Clearly they are now, but that actually does not surprise me at all. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that is really cool. Uh, okay, I've got a few. D1 softball, top 25 yeah. after the first weekend of the regular season is concluded. Dude, Texas looked really good. They, like, dominated UCLA. Uh, well, they beat them once and dominated them in the second game. So it's OU at one, Texas at two in the new D1 softball poll. Tennessee's wow. at three, OSU's at four, Georgia at five, Washington at six, Duke at seven. OU beat both those teams. Florida State at eight, LSU at nine, Clemson at ten. So I'm trying to look at current SEC, and OU and Texas will clearly be in the SEC next year. OU, Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, Missouri, and Alabama are at 11 and 12. So seven of the top 12 are current or future SEC teams. If you had any doubt that the SEC is now the premier college softball conference. Oh, Lonnie Alameda's got another team at FSU, huh? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I thought this tweet was, uh, was pretty funny from Chris Lowe of ESPN. In 2024... Michigan's coach will be coaching the Chargers. Alabama's coach will be working for ESPN. Washington's coach will be coaching Alabama. Bama's OC will be calling plays for the Seahawks. UCLA's coach will be calling plays for Ohio State. Ohio State's OC will be taking over as the Boston College coach. And South Alabama's coach will be the Bama defensive coordinator. We get all that? Uh, I I think so. I think I got it. Huh, okay. Yeah, that's quite the shakeup, isn't it? Wow. Have we seen another year just on the coaching front with a bigger shakeup than this offseason? I mean, just Nick Saban not being a part of the sport anymore makes that seem true. Two of the – well, I mean, really, three of the four college football playoff teams replacing their head coach. Yep. That's wild. It is wild. May never mm. see that again with a three of the top four teams in a in yeah. a season. The coach is not there anymore. Crazy. This story is from DallasNews.com. Sports okay. Day Cowboys. And they write today with another trophy, Patrick Mahomes' dominance and the constant presence of Taylor Swift. It's official. The title of America's team has been passed. DallasNews.com is saying the Kansas City Chiefs are now America's team, not the Dallas Cowboys anymore. Agree? That, disagree? N- n- well, I don't agree with the first one, and I don't agree with the second one. You never agree that 
the Cowboys were America's team. No. And now you don't agree that the Chiefs are. The Cowboys are more of America's team than the Chiefs are. I think the Chiefs are more of America's team because don't we hate everything these days as a country? And most people do hate the Chiefs, so they could be America's team. I had not thought of it that way. And, you know, it probably – I mean, it's probably true. They've got a quarterback that is extremely likable, a head coach that's extremely likable, um, a tight end (laughs) that is – uh, very hateable, but he dates someone that most people, not myself, but most people find very likable. So maybe they are America's team. Huh. Interesting. I don't know what the actual article said. Maybe it made that same point, but the headline was caught my eye. That's for sure. Last one I have, you're the golf guy. I'm not. Have people been calling it the wasted Management oh open gosh. this weekend. Oh my god! Did they have to stop beer sales Ooh. on Saturday? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they had to stop beer sales. It was a you know what show. There were fights. There were like people falling in the mud, getting in exchanges with golfers. I guess a lady fell off the the god. stands on the sixteenth. <laughs> Got injured. Yeah, it was it was So bad. it looked like when Happy Gilmore uh, first got on the tour then. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Go back to your shanties. Go back to your shanties. Damn you people. This is golf. The only thing I didn't see was the beach ball bouncing around <laughs> out onto the green. And Other uh, than that, Vuvuzela while Shooter thing. McGavin's trying to hit an eight foot putt. Saw a couple of big fat bikers in the woods off seventeen. How am I supposed to putt with that going on? It was it was chip, but still oh, good. Chip, still good. Yeah. Very good. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. There are trucks. Then there's the truck. GMC Sierra with available features like the V8 engine, the ultimate luxury interior, and of course, the available world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate. GMC Sierra, not just any truck, the truck. GMC's continued commitment. It's time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of The Rush. I hope the audio on this is okay. It's it's loud enough. But Porter Moser was asked today by the local media about the DePaul rumors. If he's really considering being the head coach there, here's, uh, here's what Porter said. Porter, it was around this time last year, the rumors about Notre Dame. <laughs> I, I don't even – anytime I hear a question that starts out with last year, it <laughs> makes me want to end this. But now there's rumors, reports circulating no, no, about not DePaul. Even, don't even – haven't talked to anybody, not even thinking about anything. I'm just absolutely not even engaging into anything like that, 100 uh, percent. So excited about where we're at with the team. This is everything we've tried to build for is, is being in this position and um, – same comment as last year. All, all rumor mill fodder. Nothing, nothing true. You buying it? I guess I've got no reason not to. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I tend to buy it. Am I dumb for buying it? Well, I would say, yeah, just because it's a head coach shooting down some rumors. Like, how many times has someone said absolutely no truth to it, and then there ends up being a lot of truth to it? Yeah, well, that's... Wh- what's his connection with DePaul? Well, is I don't there know. A connection? Well, I think the only connection he would have with DePaul is the fact that DePaul's in Chicago. And he was at Chicago, he's at Loyola Marymount before. Uh, he really enjoys the city of Chicago. Like, I just, like, DePaul's not some great job. DePaul right. is not a better basketball job right now than OU. I think it's been like 20 years since DePaul made the NCAA tournament, which is crazy. But maybe the thought there 04. is he wants to get back to, uh, get back to Chicago. Uh, had a couple appearances in the 90s, 91, 92, and then 2000, and then 2004. Yeah, been since 2004 since they've had it's tournament crazy. appearances. Yep. But that name, like, to me, sounds, I don't for whatever reason, it's like a familiar name that I, I remember like they would have been better than, I remember them being better than that, I guess is what I'm saying. Same. Huh. Yeah, I, I guess I, I believe him, you know. But I guess you never know. I, if if like the only way that's true would be is if Oklahoma's had that conversation with him, right? Or if he knows that the arena deal is just it's just not going to happen here anytime soon, or the NIL situation is not where it needs to be. Like I, I think that. Ideally, and this is just a guess, Porter wants to be here, and he wants to be here long-term. He's even excited about the move to the SEC and what that's going to bring, but maybe that's depending on the whole arena situation here moving forward. Right. Huh. Well, I don't know. I, I, I think if he makes the tournament this season, which I expect him to, um, perhaps they win a game or two. Perhaps they, you know, do something nice in the uh, conference tournament. Like I expect that to be the case, and I think that they will be back. Um, I think he'll be back for the year after if he wants to be. Now, things could also turn south. They make the tournament or just maybe miss it and then lose in the first round. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm saying is I – I think I believe him that he wants to be here and he plans on being here. But if that's not the case, then the DePaul situation would make some sense. Yeah. Uh, KDM of the 918 says, I would have donated 100 euros to the NIL collective if he would have stopped the completion of the question being asked and said, let me stop you right there. I'm not taking the job at LSU. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's we funny. already have a hot If he did that, we'd already have a hot board for the next uh, head coach. Talking about that today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I for one, hope he's there. And I, I think he, I think he's close to getting us over the hump. I could be wrong. All right. Final hour of the rush coming up next. Stay tuned. You're listening to the home of Sooner fans. KR.